Welcome to Seller's Journey, the podcast where we speak to great sales reps and leaders and share their real stories from start to sales success. Hi, everyone. I'm Joseph Fung, and today I'm joined by David Premer. David's the founder and chief sales scientist at Cerebral Selling. He also happens to be the author of Sell the Way You Buy. It's a number one bestseller, most given book on management on Amazon. David, Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, pleasure, Joseph. Great to be with you. So I, I need to ask, how, how are things with the book going? I remember posting, uh, you posted that uh, picture of hitting number one and, and the most precious cake that your daughter had baked you. It's so amazing. <laughs> no, look, it's it's great. The book launch has been great. You know, a lot of my clients obviously have, have bought the book. It's a great add-on to my business and my training, but it's amazing. Actually, you know, the publisher was mentioning that we've pre-sold thousands of copies. I mean, it's available now, but when it was in pre-sale, uh, thousands of copies shipping all around the world. So uh, super grateful. But it's funny, to your point about the launch, you know, we had our launch on April 7th during mm-hmm. the uh, the old quarantine and uh, and isolation. So yeah, my my kids were great. My family made me feel really special with uh, my daughter baking me that, that wonderful cake. So it was, it was great. That's awesome. So just thinking a little bit about the uh, the book, about the website, I know that this isn't a podcast about pitching, uh, but we'd love to understand what would be the elevator pitch? Why should somebody go and hit CerebralSelling.com right now uh, and check it out? Yeah, well, I mean, as far as Cerebral Selling goes, you know, I actually started writing uh, my blog years ago when I was back at Salesforce. So there's a ton of content there now over the years from the sales trenches, from my personal experience and all the kind of the science and empathy and, and tactical research I've done over the last 20 years is all there. It's all available for free. You don't have to register for anything. So that's probably the biggest selling feature to head over. But, uh, you know, that one of the reasons I started the business in the first place was just because I was so passionate about this area of sales and selling and modern selling specifically. Um, so hopefully you get a sense for kind of the, the fun and passion that I have for the profession and uh, some great content that can help you along your journey. Okay, so I'm going to make sure that we include that link to your website and your book uh, in the description. But let's let's dig right in. Uh, I love the way you phrase that your passion for selling. But in your book, you speak about how you never thought you'd end up in sales. Maybe you could start with that. What did you study in school and, and what were you planning to do? Yeah, well, you know, like like everyone who ends up as a professional seller in, in the kind of their career, um, you know, we don't think about ending up in sales, partially because we actually don't teach sales at many, you know, higher ed, uh, you know, places of learning. And so it's not something that people often think of as kind of their long-term sales career. And so for me, I was no different. I started my career as a, as a research scientist over 20 years ago. So I graduated with an undergraduate degree in, in chemistry and atmospheric science, uh, ended up doing a master's degree in chemical engineering at the University of Toronto. And around that time, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're in school and you're learning all these things, which are great, you know, kind of help. I always say like learning how to learn, which is the most important thing. But then you start to think, okay, well, what do I want to be when I grow up? And um, I had this exposure back at University of Toronto to a whole bunch of engineering students that had gone on to do things in business. And that's kind of where I first kind of got the bug. And then a great catalyst called the dot-com boom, for those of you who remember in 1999, 2000 happened. Mm -hmm. 
and companies were just hiring all sorts of, you know, uh, technical people, you know, engineers, scientists, generally people who, you know, had good educational backgrounds uh, to do all manner of things. And that's kind of when I got swooped up into the sales world. So you mentioned in your book as well how during that time, during your studies, uh, you actually became a certified meteorologist. Uh, as a result, do people actually crack jokes about forecast accuracy? They do. Yeah, you know, it's 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 <laughs> it's of one course. of those things. It's a good fun fact when they're like, okay, you know, you're trying to break the ice. Like, what's one thing no one knows about you? And usually, that's one of the two things I say is that yeah, I'm a certified meteorologist. Um, you know, but it's actually interesting because there actually are quite a lot of similarities to, you know, forecasting the weather and forecasting, you know, your sales. And and the biggest thing is just that there's so many, there's so much error that is built into mm. all of the estimates that are are put into like even like the equations that govern, you know, wind flow and system movement and all that kind of stuff. Same thing happens in sales. There are so many margins of error that get creeped into our sales forecasts, and uh, for the same reason. So yeah, there's there's a lot of comparisons for sure. Nice. Uh, I'm I'm sure that it's one of those jokes that uh, kind of gets old and doesn't at the same time. Uh, but thank you for for humoring my question. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, you you had an interesting journey where you stepped out of engineering into sales engineering, solutions consulting. Uh, a lot of sellers these days, when they're making that move, they're stepping into kind of an SDR or BDR role, so they may not be as familiar with the sales engineering role and how that folds into the organization. Could you share a little bit about what that role was like, what that experience was like stepping into it, and, and the role that it played in the organizations you were at? Yeah, it's interesting. So I actually didn't know that that was a job that you could do, like a functional, technical, sales, product, expert, coder. You know, I didn't know that was a thing. But it seemed to mesh really well with my background, kind of having been in the engineering ranks and having to explain complex, you know, kind of technical concepts in a, in a, in a very... Um, you know, uh, in a very simplistic way or a way that other people could understand lent itself very well to kind of the functional technical arm of, you know, a sales organization. And you're right, it's actually not something that people think about as like their first entree. And, you know, in retrospect, you know, I didn't necessarily think of myself as a salesperson, rather someone who was just really enthusiastic about the product and the solution and the problems it could solve. And I realized now in retrospect, that was kind of like my sales team, the rest of my sales teams, if I can call it that secret weapon, meaning like they would put mm -hmm. me into these kind of selling situations where I would be very enthusiastic about what I was talking about and just really, you know, into the solution and the problems that it could solve. But the customer didn't necessarily think about me as a, the salesperson. Right. So it allowed me to have these like very good, authentic conversations, whereas kind of like the quote unquote salesperson was the one kind of navigating the deal and, you know, negotiating the contract and all, all those kinds of things. But I absolutely felt like I was a huge part of the success of winning that business. And, you know, it's, I th still think today it's a great entree for those trying to get into sales um, who don't necessarily uh, want or can be in a dedicated quote unquote kind of closer role. That idea of being enthusiastic for the problem and the solution, as opposed to enthusiastic just for closing the deal, I imagine was very infectious and, and effective in your conversations with customers. Yeah, well, like, you know, so, you know, don't forget, I was 25 when I started that, <laughs> right? And so one of the biggest actual challenges and, and what my company actually did, we sold enterprise workforce management software solutions. So think about, you know, a bank, an airline, a big retailer trying to schedule their employees, trying to calculate payrolls and, and time indices and all this kind of stuff. When people leave work, they show up to work and all that kind of stuff. 
stuff in between. That's what we did. So I would end up in boardrooms with, you know, people who, and you know, I, I talk about this in my book as well, but sometimes I would end up in a, in a boardroom with a, a group of people that would joke about how the systems that I was there to replace had been at that company longer than I've been alive, right? You know, you, you get some of these companies that, well, we've been using the same system for 30 years. So I had to overcome that. I talk about it in my book. I call it experience asymmetry, which is this imbalance that gets created when you have like a younger, less experienced seller selling to like an older, more experienced customer whose job they've never done. And so that was something that I had to overcome. But to your point, it was the enthusiasm that I had for my solution, for my space, for the problems I knew I could help my customer solve that that was contagious, right? That ended up kind of transcending my age and and helping me convert customers. So you you clearly had a ton of success with this in terms of overcoming that challenge, selling with the enthusiasm and, and selling great solutions. And the work brain journey, you know, I think speaks to that success. But if you reflect back on it, we always learn new things. What would you say was the biggest surprise, you know, in that that journey? You know, I'd say like the biggest surprise is, you know, and it's kind of funny to say, but like selling is hard, right? Like selling is hard and and it continues to evolve. Like unlike a lot of professions. I mean, look, there's perf- like medicine, dentistry, like these law, the like these things do evolve over time, but I you know, I do feel that sales evolves so much quicker because the, the realm of buying actually evolves so quickly and salespeople are kind of forced to catch up. So in retrospect, I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, the, the salespeople who are ultimately less successful are the ones that are kind of stuck in the past or stuck in the old way of doing things. And there's still lots of people that are like that. You know, you're, you're kind of pushing up against a lot of history uh, of buying. And and when people close their eyes, buyers close their eyes and they picture salespeople, they don't picture people they want to talk to very much, right? So so just the evolution, the sheer pace at which the the, the industry has changed is, is something that in retrospect, you know, have a much deeper appreciation for. Uh, I think the, uh, the way you spoke about it, the evolution in buying, leading the evolution in selling is so true. The way, the way we and our customers are all buying now has changed so much. Uh, it's incumbent upon us to keep up with it. Uh, I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, thinking a little bit about your journey, one of the things that also stands out is you you went from being an individual contributor as a sales engineer into running the whole sales engineering organization pr- pretty quickly. Could you share a little bit about what that was like? How did that come to be? Yeah, well, I mean, part of it was precipitated just by the sheer growth of the company. So when I joined, there were 20 people at the company. And then when I, you know, when we got acquired and ultimately I left seven or eight years later, there were 700 people like at, at the peak and it was a hundred million dollar business. So when the business is growing that, and we actually IPO'd three years into the business in 2003. Wow. So when you have a business that's growing that quickly, you, you know, you need people to, to, to kind of grow and expand into new roles. And so, yeah, like within, you know, I think probably a few years I had kind of my first regional manager role, uh, we know within the solution engineering team as the team began to expand and you know it's it's challenging and when you when you're put in a leadership role a lot of i was really good as an individual contributor and those people don't always make the best leaders right and so i was kind of conscious of of the fact that the skill set that i needed to develop as a leader was different than kind of you know what got me to be a really good individual contributor so there was very similar to kind of you know learning the sales profession there was actually quite a lot of learning that goes into what it takes to be a good leader 
Um, and, and a lot of it is trial is a lot of learning, but a lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes made along the way, but, um, you know, like anything else, the mistakes help you become the person you ultimately, uh, you know, become at the end of the day. So, so on that, reflecting on that journey and, and kind of the person you become, you've had such a remarkable journey, you know, leading sales and sales consulting in so many organizations, running your own business, you know, writing the book. Is there anything that sticks out to you as a bright spot? Is there anything that you're most proud of in terms of the accomplishments you've had so far? Th- throughout everything? <laughs> yeah, let's say the journey so far. I know it's a tough one. Where, where's the bright one? <laughs> oh, man. You know what it is? Um and, and if for those of you who are looking to get into sales leadership, and I say this all the time, I actually, I, I teach sales leadership in my, in my practice, but also at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University. And, mm-hmm. you know, people will say, like, what's the secret to, like, being a good leader? And the number one thing that I tell people, care. Just care. Like, care about the people almost more than you care about the quota. And it's interesting, kind of, you know, over the, the course of the years and time, like, I still and friends with, for example, the, the team members and, and leaders that reported to me, we still text on an ongoing basis. We still keep in touch. They still ask me for advice, you know, from the standpoint of their careers. And, and you know, and I, and we still feel connected. I actually, I think that's probably one of the things I'm most proud of is just the relationships built along the way um, and the kind of the quality and, and the longevity of those relationships. That's fantastic. And, you know, you're in many ways still at the beginning of that journey. And, if we cast our eyes forward and think about where you're heading next, if you were going to talk to to future David, you know, let's call it 10 years out, what's something you would like to congratulate yourself in the future for having accomplished? You know, what, what do you still aspire to do? Like, you know, five, 10 years from now, what will I be congratulating myself on? Yeah, exactly. You know what? One of the things I, I'd really like to do that's kind of on my bucket list per se is uh, do a TED Talk, you know, and not, nice. and I say that not just because, um, you know, oh, I have something that's so important to say, I need to say it on the TED platform. But I actually, I feel that being able and required to kind of shoehorn like a really big idea into like a 13 minute talk um, and have it come off as seeming very, you know, profound and effortless. I think that's like a, a huge and very difficult thing to do. And so like, I almost feel like it would be great if I have something worthy enough to, to be considered in that category <laughs> that I could go through the exercise of shoehorning into like a 13 minute talk. Like I actually think that would be a really great, a really great thing to do. I, I love how that works at both levels. You know, both aspiring to, to have something so profound, but then also accomplishing that difficult task of, of delivery. I love that. That's a great one. Thank you for sharing. Well, I'll tell you, it's funny when you, th- you think about like the book, you know, one of the things that I, I even tell my kids, it's good to do things in your life that not a lot of people do. Not because it's necessarily difficult or hard, but rather because it takes time and attention and focus. And I think the book for me is one of those things. You know, it, the book is, is I'm super proud of the book. It took me a long time to write it. Um, but I know a lot of people don't write books. And so I said, mm. you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And if you, if I can, I'll share a little secret with your listeners that I have not shared with anyone else. But um, I took, when I took the first book out of the box when I got, obviously I was super excited to get it. But um, in the, in the context of, you know, people are asking me to sign books. Oh, can you sign my book? And you know, all this kind of stuff. I signed a book to myself saying, you know, David, you did it. Congratulations. I signed it to myself. Oh, that's so brilliant. I love that idea. Uh, I, I know that I lack the, the drive and the determination to actually pull a book together and I have so much admiration for it, but 
if I ever manage to squeak one out, I'm gonna have to borrow that idea because that's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, you know, I didn't tell anyone. And this was, you know, this is the first time I'm, I even mentioned it to my wife. You know, like weeks after it happened, I just, you know, I'm like this is just for me, right? Like I didn't, I, you, you, you got to do things. I mean, people, you know, I'm a big fan of Dan Pink and uh, his book Drive, mm-hmm. and he talks about why people do things. It's for autonomy, mastery, purpose. You know, from from writing a book to, you know, for those of you who are who love to play video games and you sit in your basement or on your couch playing video games. There's no reason why you should be doing that. It doesn't drive society forward. It doesn't make you more productive. And yet, like you still do it because you're trying to achieve this, this mastery. You know, there's a lot of satisfaction in that. And, uh, you know, for, mm. for me, it's writing a book. For someone else, it's something else. But you got to celebrate those things along the way. Well, I, I don't know if there's um, much way, many ways that we could top that. So maybe we can let you go with a, a couple of rapid fire questions. You game for that? Sure, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, so we'll do these three quick back to back. First one, what's your favorite sales tool? Uh, you know, I love Zoom. I love Zoom. You know, I'm, uh, you know, it doesn't need to be too fancy. I'm actually quite a big fan of this idea of removing abstraction. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, one of the biggest problems in modern selling is that customers see you as the enemy. And there's actually mm-hmm. a lot of good reasons why they do. And one of the biggest ways to remove that stigma is to let them see you, right? When you're, and I actually feel with everything that's going on in the world now, the more video conversations that are happening, I actually think will help the sales profession because when you see someone in person, something magical changes and they cease to be the enemy that you can picture however you want and they become a person. And so I love Zoom for that reason. I completely agree with the video. Uh, my my clients, my partners, uh, my my students, they all get to uh, see when my kids kind of flounce into the room since we're all working from home now. That's right. So it's uh, 100% uh, much more ident- empathizing. Uh, number two, what's your favorite movie? So it's funny, you know, when it comes to movies, I and my, my kids tease me about this all the time. I don't have favorite. I don't have a favorite movie. don't have a favorite song. don't have a favorite uh, play. But, you know, someone asked me, you know, what's your favorite sales movie? And uh, I'll tell you what, one of my favorite sales movies is um, Tommy Boy. And uh, one of the reasons oh. why, it's, it's one of those movies people don't think about as a sales movie. People, oh, The Wolf of Wall Street or Boiler Room. But the thing I love about Tommy Boy is that, you know, you have this, this guy who is what I call an unconsciously good seller. You know, there's this guy, he's kind of a bit of a dimwit as the lead character, but he's really good at selling Mm. when he's not thinking about selling, when he's just being himself. (laughs) When he tries to sell, it becomes a train wreck. So I love that movie because it's a great reminder to all of us is that just being yourself and being authentically passionate about what you do is a great, a great, the best selling tool of all. That's awesome. I've got one last one for you. Now, when you studied science and engineering, but when you were a kid, what did you want to grow up to be? I, th- you know, it's it's also one of those things. Like I, I don't think a lot about that stuff. I, I, if I, you said, you know, you get to choose something. I think it was probably a scientist. You know, I, I loved right. science. You know, I loved figuring stuff out. I was always very curious. You know, taking apart things and doing remote control cars and building models. And so I thought, like, wouldn't this be awesome? You get to be a scientist. You get to like help people and kind of be on the forefront of things and work with test tubes. And you know, that's what, <laughs> that's that's probably what led me to that first uh, step in my career. So. Yeah, I think curiosity-based uh, science work is is where I want to be. David, this has been awesome. I know I've kept you longer than I promised I would, but I appreciate the time you shared with us. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Joseph.
Uh, and for everyone that's uh, you know listening into this, uh, quick reminder that if you check out David's site, it's a reworldselling.com. There's a ton of great free content, uh, including those comments on experience asymmetry that he mentioned. David, I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Thanks again, and I wish you all the success, uh, especially with those those future goals and, and getting the TED Talk out. <laughs> Thanks so much, Joseph. It's a pleasure. Awesome. Take care. Ciao.